welcome in to the Lady Vol Basketball Fever Podcast, part of Vol Basketball Fever. We're a show dedicated exclusively to talking about the Lady Vols and news around the program. Tune in to hear thoughts and discussions from experts who cover the Lady Vols on a daily basis. Now, here's a new episode of the Lady Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome in to another episode of Lady Vol Basketball Fever. I am Nathaniel Rutherford, and I'm joined today by a special guest, the first time on the show, Ryan Sylvia. He is the sports editor for TNJN, covers both football and basketball for TNJN at the University of Tennessee. But I'm bringing him on here specifically to talk about the Lady Vols because uh, Ryan, you and I have followed each other for a while now on social media, and I know you are as big of a Lady Vol fan, or just as big as a, a you know, follower of Lady Vols as I am. So I wanted to have you on the show, Ryan. So if you don't mind, first time on the show, you know, let everybody know a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. It means a lot. I like what you've done here with the show, not only covering the men's team, but also the women's team. It's very much needed. So I'm glad that you're you're giving women's basketball a platform. But I'm Ryan Sylvia. I'm the sports editor for TNJN. I, as you said, I cover football and men's and women's basketball, but I really am a, a big women's basketball guy. So it's always fun when basketball season comes around. I get to follow some Lady Vols basketball. I was born here in Knoxville, so I've always been a Tennessee fan. Grew up watching Candace Parker. Uh, so it, it's good to see that it looks like we might have a really exciting year coming up. Uh, yeah, I think it will be a very exciting year again, as long as, uh, everything, everybody stays healthy or, you know, and, and again, fingers crossed, Maria Cornelius of, uh, Govals four seven has been on here multiple times. And we've talked about ad nauseum, how, uh, unlucky Kelly Harper has unfortunately been with injuries in her time at as the head coach of, of the lady Vols. So hopefully we'll kind of talk about it in a second too, but hopefully we'll be able to, uh, see a healthy Lady Ball program for this upcoming season. But Ryan, we got a couple things before we get into that talk. Uh, since I last did a Lady Vol basketball fever episode here, um, actually, first, before I get into that, I do want to say thank you for all of you tuning in, whether it's on the uh, video on YouTube here or on the podcast itself. Again, I very much appreciate all the support. If you're new here or if you're a returning viewer slash listener, thank you so much. If you're a big Lady Vol fan, thank you. And if you're just a basketball fan in general, we have more than just Lady Vols. We have the men's team stuff as well. I did an episode with Gene Henley, my regular co-host last week, talking about uh, recruiting for the men's side of things as well, and also some alternate jersey talk for the men. And we'll get into that about the Lady Vols here in just a second. So please share this video, share this podcast, give the video a like, uh, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. All that good stuff, would really appreciate it. Uh, But Ryan, looking at the Lady Vols, last time since I I did Lady Vols podcast episode, uh, they've released the entire schedule. I think last time I had Maria on, they had uh, the non-conference slate of games more or less released, and they had that we knew that Tennessee was who they were going to be playing in the SEC. We didn't know the exact dates and you know when they're going to be playing certain teams and stuff. Now we've basically got the full schedule, so we have. I'm going to give just a little bit of rundown for those of you who may not seen it or may not have you know may not have taken it in full, I guess, necessarily. You have October 30th is the uh, Carson Newman game that is going to be, I believe that is your exhibition game you have every year. Am I, is that right, Ryan? Is that the exhibition? So I was looking at the schedule. And yeah, I think it's it is. not marked as an exhibition, but I, I'm mm-hmm. almost positive it is. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. I think you're right. Because, um, yeah, because they can't, I don't think the season can start until maybe uh, late November, but or early November, sorry. But, yeah, so I think that's the exhibition game. I'm pretty sure it is. I think it was last year, too. Uh, I think it may be every year, possibly, uh, with Carson Newman. Regardless, though, uh, I believe in that case, then, the the season opener is against Ohio State, which, whew, uh, November 8th uh, at Ohio State well, as well, and, and you know, against in, 
excuse me, against Ohio State in Columbus. So that's going to be a a rough starting game, or I guess not rough, but kind of a, an exciting big marquee game for Lady Vols because that was a really good team last year was Ohio State. Then you host UMass, you host Indiana for playing them again. Then you go up uh, for the tournament for the uh, Battle for Atlantis in the Bahamas. And, you know, we don't know all who the Lady Vols will play there, but know that they'll be in there for, I think, probably three games for that one as well. Come back and host Eastern Kentucky. You host Virginia Tech, playing them again. You host Wright State. You host UCF, playing them again. That was a tough game last year. Then you travel to Stanford. And again, another really, really good team. Host Wofford, and then you go into the SEC play where you go on a road trip to Florida. You host Alabama, host Mississippi State, play Vanderbilt and Nashville, go to Texas A&M, host Georgia, host Florida, and here's a, a, a rough stretch. On the road against Missouri, host UConn, and then on the road against LSU. That's going to be, to me, that's the toughest stretch right there. And Missouri's going to be, I mean, I'm not, I don't think Tennessee should win that game, but that's a road game still in the SEC. You can't you know, can't take those for granted. Then you come back and host UConn, who I know they're going to be without Paige Beckers, but still a very good team. And then on the road against LSU, that's going to be uh, another retooled LSU team that you thought would take a big drop off. But then Kim Mulkey went out and really got a lot of really talented players from the transfer portal and in recruiting too. Uh, Then you go into February and you host Ole Miss on the road against Mississippi State, host uh, Vanderbilt on the road against Arkansas, Home against Auburn, against South Carolina, on the road against Kentucky. So that is a lot. Uh, again, I, I ran through kind of all those just to give everybody kind of a a lay of the land here for what the Lady Vols are going to be facing. But uh, Ryan, that is uh, <laughs> not an easy schedule. It, it's hard. It's really hard to say Lady Vols ever have an easy schedule. But I mean, when you're playing teams like Ohio State, Indiana, UCF, Stanford, of course, UConn, and Virginia Tech as your non-conference teams, I mean you already have a the sec every year is you know getting deeper and deeper that's a that's an extremely tough non-conference schedule though i mean that that is a, a non-conference schedule that i think this team will still come out with a really good record but they're gonna be tested early and often uh you're not gonna have a cakewalk to the sec schedule yeah i mean you said it. it's it's very on brand for lady balls basketball to have a very tough schedule but in the end whether it does add a couple more regular season losses i think it definitely is a lot more beneficial to play these tough matches in the regular season, get you toughened up for the postseason. But <clears throat> I mean, the SEC is, in my opinion, the best women's basketball conference. So that in itself, every single year you're going into it and you're going to have a lot of good games. But then I mean, Virginia Tech, UCF, Stanford, a UConn every year, Stanford, it's a lot of tough games out of conference tossed into it that not a lot of teams can say that they do every year is, is playing teams this tough and also traveling uh, a lot of teams they'll try to to keep these out of conference games at home but trips to Stanford trip to Virginia Tech last year we get them at home this year but it's going to be tough but in the end I do think that it will be beneficial for Tennessee it's also I think it's very interesting some of the storylines in, in these games you get Jordan Horston going back to Columbus to play mm-hmm. Ohio State on November 8th. That's going to be awesome. And then you get the, the pool from the SEC. You get both uh, two games at Mississippi – or not at, but two games against Mississippi State where Rakia Jackson just came from. There's going to be a lot of games, too, that aren't only going to just be really competitive and great basketball games, but also just the off-the-court flair on them is going to be really exciting as well. 
Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up about um, not just the matchups between you know the two teams and how the the two teams are, but the storylines for that with um, Jordan Horston going back to Ohio. But I, I'm with like the Mississippi State thing is going to be fun um, as long as Rakia stays healthy, which I, hopefully she will. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how she plays against the Bulldogs because I I get the feeling from when I talked to her and from when I know Maria talked to her, but just everything she said, I don't know that there's like. I wouldn't say there's animosity there, and I don't want to put words in her mouth at all. But I, I, I don't think I don't think you know that she is regretting leaving Mississippi State. I'll put it that way. I, I think there's going to be an extra kind of little edge when she plays. I'll be very, very curious to see kind of her performance against Mississippi State this year in both those games. Yeah, it it should be really fun to watch, especially going to Mississippi State. Should be interesting. To see how she responds to that. But I mean, I, I expect nothing but composure from her from everything i've seen yeah no i agree um i'm trying to pull up i'm also trying to pull up the uh battle for atlantis uh turner brackets i don't know if they actually i know for the men's side of things we know who tennessee men will play for that battle for atlantis when they, when they do it but i also know for this upcoming year that we know who they'll play in the brooklyn tournament but i don't know if it's been announced who the lady of alls play but that field includes along with tennessee you have Louisville, South Dakota State, Rutgers, UCLA, Marquette, Texas, and Gonzaga. And I want to say maybe the Lady Vols play Texas. Is that right? Maybe they, not. Like you said, I'm not sure if they've announced the opening, like the matchups yet. But I'm trying to find. I, I maybe yeah, I'm, I'm just, on the website right now too. Yeah, maybe I'm. I'm wanting them to play texas because they played texas last year so uh maybe i'm wanting to see if they can beat them again but either, either, regardless that's a that's a pretty solid group of teams there um lay balls will i think make have a pretty good chance of making that you know the tournament final for that um and again there but I, you you mentioned a couple of the games there that some of the intriguing storylines for me obviously I, I think a lot of people will have the same opinion the number one non-conference game i'm looking forward to is uconn i mean that's just I, that's always going to be when when Tennessee and UConn play. I, I'm always going to you know set aside what I'm doing that week, or that weekend or, or weekday, and watch that game from start to finish. But aside from that, Ryan, um, I'm having a hard time choosing between what's my like number two most anticipated non-conference Lady Vol game because I, I I go back and forth between the the first game against Ohio State because that's going to be super exciting, really fun. Um, a really good early test, you know, the on the road on November eighth uh, against Ohio State. That's going to be fun, uh, and it's going to be against a good team. But also Stanford has another like both the ones I'm choosing are the road trips um, because I think those are going to be the toughest tests, and they're two really good teams. Of course, Stanford being a really good team last year, um, I, I, those are almost like my two A and two B. So I'm curious if you have one that uh, really stands out to you as a non-conference game besides. Again, I'm assuming besides UConn, that stands out to you as one that you're kind of most anticipating. It's probably easy to say Ohio State too because that's you know the big first marquee game. It's early in the season, you know, just that means basketball's back. But uh, it's probably that one and Stanford for me is a two A 2A and two B. Yeah, I think one though that's getting overlooked a little bit that's underrated is Virginia Tech coming to Knoxville. It was a great game there last season. They lost Asia Shepard, but they keep uh, Keatley, and they bring in Ashley Awusu from Maryland. That's good. That's a great team that was competitive last year, ended up with a good record last year, that took Tennessee down to the wire in Blacksburg, and now they're coming back to Tennessee. They're going to want revenge. It's another good roster for them. Obviously, Tennessee's got a good roster, maybe an improved roster in some ways. So I think that that game – 
is a game that a lot of people are kind of skipping over because there's those marquee matches with Ohio State to open it, with traveling to Stanford, with getting UConn to come down. There's a lot of games that it's easy to look at like that, but I think that Virginia Tech game is going to be one of the better non-conference games of the season. That's a good one. Yeah, you're right. Last year's was fun. Uh, I remember watching, or I think that one was on TV. Even if it was on TV, I remember listening to it at least and keeping up with it somehow and it being back and forth and late. Uh, There's a lot of games last year where UT was very close late because they had to come back and win or, or they'd do something to. <laughs> There's so many close games last year that uh, they played against, you know, again, against quality opponents. And Lady Balls had a really quality non conference schedule last year. And of course, the SEC, again, was a very quality league. You'd mentioned before we get into some more Lady Ball specific stuff, uh, Ryan, you'd mentioned you think the SEC is the best women's basketball conference. Um, I would agree. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't. I don't know that you could make an argument for another conference. I mean, I mean, I'm speaking probably with some SEC bias because obviously we're in Knoxville, we're in the South, we're in SEC country. But I mean, you look at South Carolina just won the national title. They've won, you know, they've been upper echelon women's basketball for the last four, five, six years at this point. You look at what Mississippi State, you know, they're not as good as they had been, but look what they had done years past. Look what Texas A&M had done years past. But look at what last year, South Carolina, Tennessee, LSU were all teams that you know, made some noise. Kentucky made that run in the SEC tournament to win it. Um, I know I'm forgetting several other schools. Old Miss, I think, had a you know better than expected season last year as well. Uh, but you look at what the some of these teams are returning this year, and what some, also some of the players like like Tennessee have brought in from the transfer portal or brought in from recruiting. And I mean, it's a league that I I fully expect, and they probably should uh, South Carolina to you know be voted as the favorites to win the SEC in the preseason. But I've, I definitely think Tennessee is going to get most of the votes for the second place. And man, I, it's hard for me to, it's hard for me to figure out who three, four, and five are going to be because there's a, there's, it's going to be, I think, a little bit of a top heavy league. But that top like six or seven teams are going to be very, very fun. And it's also going to be a league where again, anybody can beat everybody. We saw Auburn beat Tennessee last year on the road when that was a, a, a stunner. We saw, you know, Florida and Tennessee have some battles and, and everything too. So and again, Kentucky come out of nowhere and make that run in the SEC tournament. So I think it's going to be another year this year where if you're on the road, even if you're the number one team in the SEC and you're on the road against the number 14 team in the SEC, you got to watch your back, man. Um, I, I think anybody is capable of beating anyone in this league again this year. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, you brought it up. I think the perfect example of that was Kentucky making that run in the SEC tournament, getting uh, all the way to the finals and knocking off South Carolina. I mean, if that if that doesn't show you how deep the SEC is, when I mean, nobody going into that tournament was expecting that. And it, I, I was able to, to attend those games. That, that was a ridiculous run to watch. He said Auburn knocking us off last year. Uh, while they, I think that was their first SEC um, mm-hmm. win of the season, too. It's a deep league. I, I agree, though. I would have South Carolina at the top, Tennessee at second, and then it does get a little hairy after that, but I think LSU is going to be really good this year, too. Kim Mulkey, you said earlier in the show, she retooled very well down there in Baton Rouge and traveling to LSU this year. That's going to be a, a great game. It's going to be a tough one. I, I was there for the um, <clears throat> regular season finale when Tennessee took on LSU, and that I just kept trying to will Tennessee back in that game. Of course, no Jordan Horston in that game. Um I think, I think someone else got, well, obviously no Mara Suarez either, but I think Ray, you know, you could tell Ray Burrell still wasn't back hundred percent in that game. There was some foul trouble stuff. Well, LSU got in some foul trouble too, but it just got down to two point game there at the end and then could not just couldn't quite close the gap all the way. Um, so that was exciting. And then again, health wise, like 
that, that's the key is Lady Vols need to stay healthy. And that kind of brings me into uh, one of the topics you and I were talking about before hit record that I wanted to discuss. I'm going to borrow this question uh, that I heard because I thought it was a really interesting question uh, on Josh and Swain. If you don't listen to them, you know, they they do obviously more football oriented stuff, but when's basketball season, they'll talk basketball. But uh, Jason Swain, former Tennessee football player, and then Josh Ward, who's been with uh, WNML for a long time. Uh, they have the lunch show there for WNML and they had a guest on earlier this week. And one of the questions they asked, and I thought was really cool. I hadn't thought about this question before was if you could wave a magic wand over anybody on Tennessee's football team, not named Hendon hooker to ensure that they were healthy for all 12 regular season games, who would it be? And I thought that's interesting. Uh, I think the answers they gave were Swain was like Darnell Wright, who's the right tackle. And then I think, um, I don't, that was, that was one of the consensus answers. And then also you had, I think defensive back was one of them too, or defensive end was one of them. But I thought it'd be interesting to look at that from a basketball perspective of both the men's women's team, but I'll ask you specifically, uh, Ryan, about the Lady Vols. If you could just wave a wand over just one player for the Lady Vols this year to ensure they're healthy for every single game, regular season, postseason for the Lady Vols, who would it be? Because, um, I have a hard time picking just one. Like, <laughs> look, my gut says to go with Jordan Horston because she's, you know, the the veteran leader. She's the do-it-all player. She can score. She can rebound. She can assist. She can steal. Like, she, she can do everything for you. But, man, your, your whole team also changes dramatically if Tamari Key goes down with injury. Or, you know, the, the player you just brought in to be your point guard. Uh, Jazz Powell, if she comes in and she gets hurt, that changes her dynamic. If Rakia Jackson gets hurt, that I mean, there, there are four maybe even five players that spring to my mind of, okay, I would like to keep her healthy for the entire season. Uh, I'm curious your thoughts. Cause I, and also anyone who's listening, if you want to get your thoughts in the comments on this video or tweet at us uh, at vol hoops fever, I would love that. But may I, I'm, I can't, I literally can't decide between Jordan Horston, Damari key, Ryan, like that, that's the two I'm having like the toughest time choosing between because Jordan Horston is the heart and soul of the team, but gosh, Tamari key goes down. Like, she is a difference maker, especially on defense like that. I mean, I know you have Julian Hollingshed now who's the same height and everything, but I don't know that she's quite ready to be what Tamari he can be for you. So, I mean, it's between those two for me. But again, I could hear an argument for Rakia Jackson. I could hear an argument for heck, even someone like Tess Darby, who is you know a very good three-point shooter. I, I could understand an argument for really four, maybe even five of the players on the roster for this year. Yeah, it, it's one of those questions that you say it's just, a million different players pop into your mind immediately. It's like, how am I supposed to possibly pick one? But I do agree. I, I would have to narrow it down to Jordan Horston or Tamari Key. Jordan Horston, she's so versatile. She can play one, two, or three. She can. She plays great defense. I and mean, that was really what stood out to me in her first couple of years here is how great of a defender she was. Maybe the her shots weren't falling, but she was still making an impact on the floor through playing point guard and and playing fantastic defense. Then last year, the scoring came along and she was, I mean, anyone watching could tell she was the heart and soul of the team. Uh, and then she goes down in Tennessee, takes a very clear step back at the end of last season. But if Tamari Key goes down, you said we do have Julian Hollingshed coming in, but it's still, there's still no great depth at, at the center position. So if Tamari Key goes down or Julian goes down, you, you would, I guess you'd go to Caroline Striplin, who who impressed at the end of last season, mm-hmm. but it's still not maybe the choice that, that you would want to have playing big minutes yet because she's still coming along in her development. So I, I think I'm going to have to go with 
Tamari Key just because of depth reasons. I, I think if she goes down, it just leaves a big hole in the roster where, I mean, God forbid none of this happens, but if <laughs> Jordan Horston goes down, at least there are, I guess, more players to step up in that role. I mean, I, I wish I could give the whole team this this magic wand, especially both of those two. But if I had to pick one, I do think I would stick with Tamari Key. Yeah, that's good reasoning. I mean, you make a good point. If, if again, ho- hopefully none of this happens, but if, you know, Horston does go down, you hopefully, in this case, that's why you brought in someone like Rakia Jackson and brought in, you know, uh, someone like Jazz Powell because you can also move um, Jordan Walker over to the two and have her be more in a, a comfortable role where she is, you know, before she came to Tennessee as more of a, a two-guard uh, scoring type role rather than having to be a distributor. But now she does have the passing ability. So you're right. I, I think if Horston goes down, it's obviously a huge blow but we saw this team last year still even without Jordan Horston like rally and do some things that I still didn't think they would be able to do <laughs> without Jordan Horston out there and with still Ray Burrell not at 100% for most of the season um and still made it to the Sweet 16 still you know were even there in that even with, I, I still believe if Jordan Horston had been healthy for that Sweet 16 game then uh, who knows what happens but anyway um don't want to get don't want to go back too much on that but yeah no, I think you know I think you're right like I think Tamari Key might be the answer. Um, I'd be interested to hear what Lady Vol fans have to say about this because they're very knowledgeable about the sport. But I think you're right. I think the the especially this the impact that uh, Tamari has on defense, like that alone to me, and rebounding too. Just those two things alone. Like I, I think don't, Tennessee doesn't have anyone else that can do what she can do on defense right now. And I, whereas I do think like you're right. If, if Horstman goes down, you have someone like Rakia Jackson who can score. You have some other people who can do some of the things to kind of patch that hole. No one's going to be like Jordan Horston, but you have some people who can patch the holes in the ship if Jordan goes down. If Tamari goes down, that's a big blow. So hopefully, again, no one gets hurt. It'd be nice. Or no one gets any, at least a severe injury because people would get hurt. It's, it's sports. But hopefully no one, hopefully no season-ending injury. Like, I'm going to knock on all the wood I can find because every single year there's been some sort of season-ending injury that is – shaking up the chemistry or shaking up like the rotation of the team for Kelly Harper. And man, it'd be great if this year's team didn't have that. Even key and green last year, what a blow that was yeah. as a, as a backup center. I mean, she was, she was finishing a lot of games when she was healthy. She was having phenomenal nights. And then, and, and she specifically just was never able to stay on the court. Very unfortunate. Yeah. Cause she had multiple, she's had, or she had multiple injuries while she was at Tennessee. Cause she had an injury her first year at Tennessee too. And then again, of course last year. So yeah, I hated that for her. Cause she's a great, like she's a great human being. I've seen the stuff that they've been posting about her since she's graduated. Now, well, now she's had like a million degrees too. Um, but she just, she's a, yeah, she's a phenomenal person. I would, I would maybe try to love to get her on the show at some point because I just, she's a good interview too. So I know, um, Kelly and Stitz from WAT who I've had on the show, she got to you know sit down and do one on one with her. She got to sit down and do a one on one with uh, Ray Burrell too. Shortly after she was, or either before or after she was drafted, I forget which now, but she talked with Ray around the WNBA draft time as well. So, uh, speaking of which, just give a quick shout out to Candace Parker who you know ho hum almost had a triple double in the postseason game for the Chicago Sky to send them to the semifinals of the WNBA postseason. So I'm really hoping Chicago gets back to the title game that would be fantastic because so many people are thinking that this is going to be candace's last year but man ryan i hope not because i love watching candace play and also she looks like she could just keep playing for so many more years and i like it's also nice to be able to go out on your own terms and go out kind of on top and not in your prime but go out when you're not kind of 
you know, falling off. But man, I want to see Candace up there for another couple of years. She, I, I don't want a world where we're not watching Candace Parker play basketball because she's just phenomenal at it. Yeah, you you couldn't blame her if she retired. She just had that her second kid, and mm-hmm. she's married. She's done it for so long. You won't be able to blame her. But selfishly, I'm like, please, please keep playing. I mean, she is so fun to watch. As I said uh, at the very beginning of the show, I grew up watching Candace Parker uh, back when I lived in Knoxville uh, as a kid. So she does have a very soft spot in my heart. I'm a WNBA fan. I don't necessarily have a specific team. So I've even just been really a Candace Parker fan for a while, rooting for the Sparks for a little bit, and then starting last year, moving over to Chicago. And I mean, it's it's ridiculous what she's still been able to do at, at this age. Um, just in, in playoff games, almost a triple-double, just phenomenal stuff. And I really, I'm pulling for her heavily here to, to advance to the finals and maybe bring a second straight one back to Chicago. That would be awesome. Yeah, no, it, it would. And I feel like this year, especially she's been having, you know, keeps putting up a lot more career numbers and stuff. I feel like she's passed Tamika Catching as a, you know, another Lady of All Legend on like two or three career lists. I'm like, what is it with Candace Parker and Tamika Catching having like similar WNBA careers? Because she passed her recently for, I think, most like fifth or sixth all time in assist in postseason history. And, and then I think in the regular season, she became one of only like two or three WMA players ever to do something and Tamika Catchings is one of them. I was like, man, her and Meek just had like I didn't I just forgot like how good Meek even was after she, you know, left Tennessee. I obviously knew how good she was with the Lady Balls, but man, Catchings was also phenomenal in the WNBA. So it's just nice it's just nice like, you know, it was when like for example, like Peyton Manning in the NFL, like I didn't want to see him quit, but I knew it was coming time because from what with the surgery and something he he did decline, but he did at least win the Super Bowl before he went out. But it's just nice having, you know, a former Tennessee player be one of the big centerpieces, big stars of a big professional sport. Because once Candace step da- steps down, like, there's not going to be that for any of the major sports anymore for Tennessee. You're, you're, well, I mean, you, get, you have the chance of WNBA it happening with, you know, Lady Balls keep sending more players into the league. But NFL won't have – there's good players, don't get me wrong. You have, you have some really good NFL players there from UT, but nothing like a Peyton Manning. The NBA doesn't have anything, you know – I mean, Tobias Harris is really good, but he's not anywhere in the top 25 best players in the NBA, I wouldn't say. Um, don't have anybody in the MLB. You have really good players in the WNBA that are former Lady Vols, but no one like a Candace Parker. So it, that's why it's just another reason I want her to stick around for a little bit longer, because it's nice having someone in a big professional sport be the one of the big centerpieces of that sport. Yeah, it is. When you brought up Mika Catching, so it kind of reminds you how lucky we are as Tennessee fans and, and to – cover these these lady balls teams just be like wow there has been so much talent and just great people that have represented tennessee at the next level especially women's basketball just i mean since the WNBA's inception and there there's no like you said it, it takes tennessee kind of off the face of the WNBA if Kenneth parker ends up retiring but there's still a lot a lot of uh, a footprint left from from tennessee and as you also said, if Tennessee keeps this going, I mean, Rakia Jackson, Jordan Horst, and Tamarki all have potential to come into the WNBA and make some noise. So may, hopefully it won't be long until maybe there's another Candace Parker type of player in the WNBA from Tennessee. But Candace is just truly a special athlete and person. So it, it'll it'll stink to watch her go. Yeah, she's, I mean, she really is a unicorn. Someone with that, a 6'4 post player with the passing skills she has, with the touch that she has on different, like, she's just, 
they don't, there aren't many players who have ever been able to do what Candace Parker has been able to do. Or even, I mean, that, you know, she literally has transformed the sport. There's been so many girls in the last decade who have grown up wanting to be like Candace Parker and have modeled their games after Candace Parker because of, you know, what she has done. Heck, I mean, Justine Passat's probably one of them because she's the same height as Candace and, you know, tries to be more of a perimeter player rather than just a post player. I would like to see Justine, you know, be able to learn some more post moves and stuff when she is here at Tennessee. But, you know, my point is like being those athletically gifted, if you have the height of a 6'2 to 6'4 as a, as a basketball player and you're a woman, you're more than likely looking at someone like Candace Parker saying, I want to be like her uh, when I, I, well, you're already grown up when I, <laughs> when I play in college and then try to go professional too. But yeah, you make a good point. I mean, there's look like a, someone like Isabel Harrison, like Izzy, she's getting a lot of attention and news for a lot of the stuff that she's doing just off the court too. But um, she's a really phenomenal person, but you mentioned, you know, keep sending in more players, the more chance you have of some of them developing into some big time stars. I mean, you have Ray Morrell up there now who I think hopefully will have a really good WNBA career. Uh, I, I think you made a really good point. I think Tamari key is going to be interesting to watch what she can do at the next level. Because again, she's been so dominant defensively here in college. I think, you know, she won't be nearly as dominant in the WNBA because there are, you know, bigger, faster, stronger players all across, you know, you're playing against professionals, not just college athletes, but she still is going to be, I think, a big defensive um, difference maker. And I'd be interested to see if she can win a couple defensive player of the year awards uh, like Candace has, because I mean, as many blocks as she's able to put up in college, I mean, she's still going to be able to put up a bunch of blocks you know, professionally. So she could be the next kind of bigger name for the Lady of Alls in the WNBA, just because she bring the wow factor of the blocks and, Maybe at some point some dunks too. Maybe she'll you know be able to increase that vertical a little bit, and maybe she'll dunk. I mean, she's got the height. <laughs> she's certainly tall enough to be able to dunk it. She's just got to get that vertical you know going a little bit more because um, gosh, it's always it's it's so cool to see. Now there's multiple ladies out there who can dunk it, so it's just really cool to see. Um, that was definitely not the case 20 years ago. No, yeah, I would also like to add. You reminded me when we were talking about uh, Candace Parker's kind of influence on on young players. When I was doing some research on the, the WNBA draft class that just came in, they just had their rookie year. Uh, Sika Cohn, I apologize if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, but she's from Mali. And while I was doing research on her, it came out that she was a huge Candace Parker fan. It was one of the biggest reasons she always wanted to be in the WNBA. Just, just a driving force in her life. And it, I, that, I mean, it just shows Candace Parker's reach all the way from, here in America, out, out to Africa. So I thought that was a really cool thing uh, to see as well. But going back to Tamari Kia, it'll be interesting. I know the WNBA likes uh, kind of more versatile centers like Shakira Austin type of can run the floor a little bit, while Tamari's a lot more of a traditional post-up type of center. But she is just so dominant at what she does. I mean, she'll definitely get a shot at the next level. I'm really hoping that it works out for her because it would be a lot of fun to see her at the next level matching up against some of these phenomenal centers in WNBA, John Quell Jones and, and players like that. I think that'd be a lot of fun to watch. Oh yeah. I, I 100% agree with you on that one. Uh, Ryan, what we also got to talk about here, uh, I haven't really talked about it in depth, talked a little bit about alternate Jersey stuff last episode with Gene, but it was more kind of focusing on um, the men's side of it. And if the men's basketball team will get, you know, any alternate jerseys too. But we did mention briefly in there, and I want to talk about it a little bit more in depth here, that uh, Lady Vols, not just a basketball team, but all women's athletics at Tennessee uh, in general, are going to be uh, 
wearing a really cool, I mean, at least really cool to me, and I, I know a lot of fans agree too, really cool alternate jersey this year um, for the, but they now have dubbed the Summit Blue. Uh, Tennessee came out and said in honor of Pat Summit, not all of honor of Title IX being 50 years old. Um, they're actually taking that little, the well, almost, it's not quite a powder blue, it's like a little bit darker of a powder blue, but the, the blue trim that's been on the Layball logo uh, for such a long time, uh, since, you know, Joan Cronin back in, the, I think, the 70s, uh, when they she originally had the blue because they couldn't find orange for the you know to, the manufacturers to make orange jerseys so she got the blue um making that now called summit blue and not just that but they're also going to be and uh, have unveiled an alternate jersey line for all of women's athletics in Tennessee with it's going to be the all summit blue jerseys haven't seen the lady Vols one yet but they showed photos and a couple of videos of the soccer kits and for the volleyball team but man Ryan I am excited to see what the Lady Vols basketball one looks like. Cause I think to me, the blue, you think of Lady Vols, you think of basketball. I think the Lady Vol blue just biased, I guess looks the best on a basketball Jersey. I am super pumped to see how that blue looks like on a basketball Jersey and, and what they do with it. Cause if it's, if the, you know, softball and, or excuse me, the uh, soccer and volleyball reveals or any, you know, indication, it, it's basically just going to be kind of like the Jersey you already have just instead of it being white, it'll be blue. The man, I I am very excited. I, I also think it's such a cool move. I I am all for you know honoring Pat Summit in any way possible. Uh, I loved you know last year when they did, or I think it was last year when they when they've done the purple kind of trims and purple ones before for her, uh, for the We Back Pat Nights and everything that they do for Pat Summit and and honoring you know remembrance of her. But um, I think this is a fantastic thing. I, I hope this isn't just. I, I don't think it will be, but I hope this isn't just kind of a one year thing. I hope this is a regular we're going to, this will be an alternate Jersey. We wear every single year type of thing for lay balls moving forward because, you know, I, I think it, I, there's a good chance it will be, but I'll also be interested to see if like that night they wear, it becomes like a, a big donation night. Like if it's something that they give back to you know, either the Pat Summit foundation or something else. But I think, you know, there's, there's good chances to be able to auction off these jerseys or even like NIL opportunities for this. Like, I, I just think hopefully that this is a thing that isn't just a, this year thing that it's a thing moving forward and that it's a chance to, you know, bring some money in to help, you know, Alzheimer's research and everything too, because, you know, that that's one of the best ways you can honor Pat is to help, you know, fight this disease that, you know, unfortunately she, she had. So the point is, I think the jerseys are going to look amazing for the basketball team. And I hope that it, it, you know, brings even more good other than just saying we look cool uh, (laughs) on the court. Yeah, I, I am pumped for these jerseys. I've seen the soccer uniforms and the volleyball ones, and they look awesome. So I'm, it's it's a jersey that's pretty difficult to mess up, almost. Uh, so I have nothing but high expectations for the for the basketball ones as well. I I do think it's an interesting discussion on how much do you want to see it, when do you want to see it, do you want it to be like a once or twice a year type of thing or a true like third jersey that gets put in the rotation i personally would probably lean towards two or three times a year pick your spots almost like the football team wearing the smoky grays you know you got florida coming to town in 2016 we're checkering kneeling we're gonna put the smoky grays on kind of you know get a big game maybe yukon's coming to town you know it's gonna be a sold out arena let's get the the summit blue jerseys on i think that would be a cool way to do it. and then i do said too i think that would be uh, an awesome tribute to pat someone as well if they did try to incorporate some sort of auction or or try to raise some sort of money uh with the jerseys because it's definitely going to get a lot of attention across the country so if you can somehow generate that into good 
I mean, I mean, that would be awesome as well, but I don't think you can talk about uh, all these jerseys without also giving proper credit to Danny White, the athletic director, who mm-hmm. I've loved everything he's done since he's been here, bringing in all these new jerseys. And I mean, football, we saw he, he brought black last year, the black uniforms. He just announced he's going to bring the smoky grays back and that they're going to get kind of advanced and evolved every year. So it already brought two alternates back in football. Now he's adding all of these to, uh, to the women's sports, the, the summit blues baseball team has a, a whole crop of jerseys they can choose from. I, I am, I'm waiting for the, for the men's basketball ones. Uh, I, yeah. I guess you could say they're kind of this uniform right here. The, the old fashioned that first was kind of a alternate and then ended up becoming the, the mainstay, but mm-hmm. Danny White, I, I have to give him a shout out for at least the uniforms and, and the fan service he's done from the ball letters on the stadium. I mean, he's done a great job with, with everything in that regard. So, so you have you bring up two points that I want to get to. I'm trying to think which one I want to get to first. I will go with the. I'm going to go with this one. What game or games this year would you want? You know, if you could choose, would you want to see the Summit Blue Jersey? You, you mentioned UConn. I, I, I thought about that one. And I was like. I don't know. There's something about seeing, you know, just the traditional uniform for those games. But I mean, that's going to be your biggest marquee game besides South Carolina. And obviously, Tennessee UConn is probably the biggest rivalry in women's basketball. And Pat and Gino made it what it was. I mean, I, I almost feel like that's the that that's to me that's almost the game. Like I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you could probably choose another SEC game. I mean, you could maybe choose South Carolina. You could maybe choose. Um, I, my thing is, I wouldn't want to choose a team that their main color is kind of a lighter, but like I, I wouldn't want to do it against Kentucky. I wouldn't want to do it against Florida. Um, but UConn is a blue, but it's like a really Navy blue. So, I mean, I don't have an issue with them doing that. Uh, it would look interesting to see their road uniforms and the summit blue out there at the same time. So I I'm curious, Ryan, if you could choose a game or two, what would it be? Cause I'd, I almost think it has to be UConn for this year for, if you're just going to do one game, because I mean, that's the marquee game. That's um, again, that's Pat and Gino were the biggest names in that rivalry. Um, gosh, I mean, I, I mean, again, you could choose other ones that maybe you do it at, you know, one of the non-conference home games against, you mentioned like against Virginia Tech, against Indiana, maybe you do it for a SEC home game, but I'd be, I'll be very interested to see if it is the UConn game where they, they bring them out, if it's the first time or if they do it for a second time or whatever. But I, I almost wonder if, you know, they had the UConn game in mind when they, <laughs> when they decided to design these came with this idea of doing the Summit Blue. I, I do agree that it, a part of you really does want to just kind of embrace the traditionalism of seeing the orange out there, especially in a game against UConn that's so historic. It it, it would feel a little bit weird, I feel like, to, to see the summit blue out there, but I think it would also be really cool. So I, I think that's the one, like you said, you kind of have that one circled all season. It would make the most sense. I Another game, though, looking at the schedule that I think that could, they could make an appearance is Indiana uh, on November 14th early in the season mm-hmm. second home game but Indiana's a great squad they're they're a good team it should be a good game I'm thinking that they're going to want to try to get the blue out relatively early just so people can can kind of get a, a view of it so th- I mean that's a game that stands out to me as maybe our first appearance of it if they're going for maybe two yeah, that's why I feel like with basketball, you, you have so many more games in football, too. So you have so many more opportunities to wear your traditional ones. So it's not as like you can I feel like you can wear your alternates a little bit more often in basketball because you have like, what, 18 home games as opposed to 
seven most sometimes sometimes eight in football so like you have literally 10 or 11 more home games so you you have a chance to wear your traditionals more often so it's not as big of a deal if you wear an alternate two three times right like it would be in football exactly yeah because you don't want to see tennessee football come out and wear orange jerseys once the whole season mm-hmm. but in basketball like you said there's so many games that you could sprinkle one in in november and then maybe one late december and then one early february and it, it would feel definitely spaced out enough that you wouldn't get kind of sick of them or anything so i i mean if i had to guess i, I think that's probably what they'll somewhat go for is, is probably two or three appearances and like we said uconn definitely jumps out i like that indiana game early and then just maybe an sec game sprinkled in there i think would all be good choices yeah, and that leads me to the next question. I had already seen someone mention it on Twitter that they didn't want it. How would you feel about the Layballs getting a smoky gray uniform? Because I, I kind of I would like to see it, but I understand the fans who wouldn't want it because that, that feels more to me like it's football than I guess basketballs had. It. Obviously, um, baseballs had it, but I can't remember if the, as a, the softball teams had gray before. Like they've had full gray jerseys, right? So I mean. You've had the late, like you've had Lady Vols athletics have gray jerseys, so I think it would look cool to have Lady Vols have a gray jersey. But also, again, I I totally get people who were who would be against it. But I think it's a. I'm just I I mentioned it from the podcast last week. I'm all for Tennessee in general playing with you know different jersey designs because when you have the orange you have for Tennessee, like it's such a bright, like obnoxious, really fun orange, like why not pair it with other things? Why, why not, you know, why always have it just on white? Why not pair it with black and gray? Cause it really, to me makes it pop when you have it on darker colors. So why not do it? Lady Vols smoky gray Jersey. Like it doesn't have to be anything super flashy. I mean, it just could be a, I wouldn't, wouldn't want it just, just to be gray, but you know, have, have something with it that I don't know. I, I've, I've gone back and forth on it. I'm pretty sure I would like it. Um, Cause I trust the design team and trust, you know, Nike and Tennessee to, you know, talk about it and do it. But I, I understand. I, I can't, I think Julia, uh, I can't remember who it was. She's been, she sent in a, a picture or picture. She sent in a question for the mailbag episode we had a couple weeks back too. So I, she was one of, I think said it on Twitter that she wouldn't want to see, she d- would not want to see a smoky gray Jersey for the lay Vols, but I kind of think I would, I think it'd be cool. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong, but I think it'd be cool. Yeah. I, I will say thinking back to Tennessee uh, men's basketball, smoky grays. Mm-hmm. Some of those I was not the biggest fan. I so I did not. Yeah, the ones they wore like in Barnes's first or second year, whenever it was, I, I wasn't a fan. They wore those in against. I remember the morning specifically against Florida. I can't remember if it was at home yeah. or against an SEC tournament, but I didn't. Yeah, I didn't like the design. I, it was. I mean, I liked the colors. I just didn't like. There was like the weird big black bar across the front that I just was not a huge fan of. I think they their reasoning was because that was they looked back at like some old jerseys that UT basketball had. That was they, they're trying to take some uh, right. elements from a couple of different eras and uh, to me it just didn't look that great. Yeah, I would I would like to see a redesign for the men's team. And then again, we haven't had one for Lady Vols basketball, so I think just a totally different design for them. Maybe maybe there's something in some of the old jerseys for Lady Vols you could do and instead of it being just orange or white, maybe you could touch it up and add some gray to the jerseys to you know, honor again to go back and do some throwback stuff, but also have some new age stuff with it because I love the combining of old and new with stuff like that. It doesn't, it doesn't all have to look and be a totally new thing. I like the fact that we've had the touches of honoring the past and tradition, or at least trying to. I I I can admire the effort on the men's side of things. I just didn't like the end result with the <laughs> the big black bar across the front, but I, I admired the fact that they tried to 
honor the past and and mold it with the future or you know present but is didn't execution wasn't quite there but i i trust you know kelly harper danny white the whole administration there to if they wanted to do one for the lady vols that they would make it respectful and make it you know look good i, I just think you know orange and gray to me that the the smoky gray like the darker gray that, that it is just looks cool together like i just thinks it look, looks nice together and you have the whole idea of like maybe you do a like a summit like type of thing where it has again the smoky mountains on it you have the summit like there's something there's things you can do i think with the lady balls you know their branding and stuff that you you obviously you just couldn't do with football or basketball because they don't have pat summit and you know the tradition the lady balls have yeah i you brought up a good point. I, I definitely trust Kelly Harper and Danny White to not kind of mess it up and not spit in the face of tradition. Because I know that's what a lot of Lady Ball fans are worried about is they've been watching this team since these very early Pat Summit days. And they're all about this traditional style. And I think there's a way you can kind of balance the two where you can show respect for the past and you can show respect for what Pat Summit built. And, and all of that while still incorporating some really cool new jerseys and some new ideas like adding a smoky gray flare. Cause in my opinion, the orange with the summit blue is some of the coolest colors in, mm-hmm. in college sports. There's a lot of really awesome stuff you could do with it. Um, so I'm, I'm all down for having fun. And I, I trust uh, Danny White and Kelly Harper and whoever else would be involved in that process. I, I think that they would make sure that it's done a pretty tasteful way. Well, Ryan, it's been uh, really fun having you on here. I definitely am going to have to have you on again, probably during the season to talk some lay balls and men's basketball too, but I definitely wanted you to come on here for lay ball basketball. So I think you may mention it at the beginning of the show when you introduce yourself, but if any of the people watching or listening here want to you know, interact with you, want to follow some of the stuff you're going to be doing during well, football, basketball season, you know, during the whole next like what, nine months or so here, uh, where can they, you know, follow your, you know, follow you, find your work and interact with you. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Ryan T. Sylvia. That's S-Y-L-V-I-A, like Sylvia Fowles. Um, and that's where I post pretty much all of my work. Uh, those are going to be links to pretty much everything there. I'll, I'll tweet every article I write out. And that's where you can find uh, just on the Twitter, just kind of updates to Tennessee football or basketball or whatever's going on. Um, I just, if you're into football, I just posted a very in-depth article on my projections for every sec team where i kind of go through the schedule and give score predictions and give my thoughts on each team and give bold projections so if you're into sec football that's pinned to my twitter make sure you check that out um i I got a lot of stuff coming not not even just uh university of tennessee stuff that's definitely the main focus but uh, i have an internship right now with pro sports fanatics so i might be doing a tennessee titans show soon we'll see where that goes but the the focus is is university of tennessee there's definitely gonna be a lot of lady ball stuff on the way, but if you want to check it out and follow me along for this ride, it's at Ryan T. Sylvia. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ryan. And thank you all so much who, you know, again, watch the show, interact with it at all. Yeah. Leave comments below. Any of your thoughts on what we talked about this episode, whether it's, you know, game you're most looking forward to for lady balls player, you would want to keep healthy all season if you could, or any of the Jersey talk that we had, or, you know, thoughts about Candace Parker, or WNBA too. We talked about that for um, a little bit as well. So thank you all so much. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, for coming on the show and again thank you for everyone yeah thank you for everyone who watched and listened along or is going to watch and listen along after i finish editing this episode but thank you all so much signing off for ryan i'm nathaniel and this has been another episode of lady vol basketball fever